We are starting, though, with what crews have been dealing with on those icy, snowy roads. The cut had to be shut, uh, as well as exits surrounding it. Uh, people did not have the proper tires on. Um, entering out in these conditions, people really need to be sure they have the right um, cars, right tires. Yeah, our, our truck was stuck on scene for quite a long time. Uh, that was Chris Byram, Assistant Chief with the North Vancouver District Fire Department, uh, talking about their trucks being stuck, so many cars stuck on the roads and making for very dangerous conditions. That, as another snowfall warning, has been issued again for Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, Valley and parts of Vancouver Island. Well, joining us to talk more about how things unfolded is Jordan Back, a District of North Vancouver City Councillor. Jordan, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Hi, good afternoon, Jill. My pleasure. Uh, as we heard in that clip from the uh, assistant fire chief, the cut was closed. I know people have seen footage of that and certainly anybody who was caught up in it. How would you describe or how did things unfold on the North Shore during the snow yesterday? Yeah, as, as I'm sure uh, your listeners have seen pictures of it and yourself, uh, it can best be described as chaos, I think, yesterday morning uh, along Highway 1. Um, which really runs right through our community. It connects the east side of the district of North Vancouver from the west. And uh, yesterday morning was certainly a a challenging scene for a lot of people. Uh, Cars were spun out all over the place uh, trying to get off the highway. Uh, at Lynn Valley, for instance, was uh, was really was really a mess. And as you heard Chief Byram saying there, the firefighters were busy doing the best that they could as well, trying to uh, tow vehicles and, and get them out of the way. But uh, really, it was a, was a tough scene. So what do you think happened there? Because once again, we did have warning that snow was expected to fall, especially at the higher elevations, which the North Shore is. Uh, the cut is a main thoroughfare. It's a main road. So what do you think happened there that caused that chaos? Well, I think, uh, well, I want to start just by recognizing our own crews at the District of North Vancouver. Uh, I think we were very prepared, as we typically are with snowfall. I think uh, our crews do an excellent job. They were working around the clock the last couple of nights. We've had six to eight streets crews um, out clearing the roads, brining the roads. Um, But I think, you know, preparation is key. Um, So I'd be very interested in, in sitting down with them. Hopefully we'll have that opportunity to just kind of look at it and see how we can do uh, do better and perhaps work in a more coordinated manner, um, which I think we need to do. All right. And sorry, the phone, uh, there was a bit of a glitch in the phone system there, but you're right. And I think everybody is recognizing first responders and people who were on the roads and helping others uh, doing uh, incredible work and under uh, very trying circumstances for sure. Uh, there is more snow in the forecast, though. Are there ways to better prepare, do you think? Well, as I say, our crews at the District of North Vancouver, our operations staff, are, are very prepared. Um, and I do want to uh, recognize that, you know, they, they, they plan throughout the year for these sort of snow events. So um, I think for our part, we're doing what we can to make sure that all of our um, arterial roads, our, our main roads, secondary roads are clear, uh, as well as um, sidewalks on main roads and, and some of our bike paths and multi-use paths. Um, But, you know, when it comes to uh, the province uh, and the region, I think we need to look at a more coordinated approach. So hopefully, you know, we can sit down uh, after after we get through the holidays, likely, and just see, um, you know, how how we can assist each other. Uh, As I say, we we do a very good job in our municipality. So, you know, maybe there's ways that we can assist and, and work together. I know. Uh, we do work with our um, adjacent municipality, the city of North Vancouver, and vice versa to help them uh, in these sort of events because we may have some equipment that they don't and and, uh, we can help out. 
I know, and this happened when we had the snow earlier as well, and we were talking with the mayor of Delta, and he was saying how he was being flooded with complaints from residents and reminding that when we were talking about the East-West Connector and some of the bridges, it's not actually the jurisdiction of Delta. Is that the same on the North Shore as far as Highway 1 or those arterial routes? Are those the, the jurisdiction of North Van District, or is it Main Road, or how does that work? So Highway 1, uh, to the best of my knowledge, is under uh, Miller Capilano, which is the contractor for uh, the Ministry of Transportation, so the province. Um, but outside of that, it is largely um, uh, the District of North Vancouver that maintain the roads. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the highway, it's, it's generally the province. And what do you say then as well to residents? Because here we are and it's still very cold. It's still minus. We saw uh, rather than what I think we're so used to, at least uh, on the lower elevations of snow falling, turning to rain and washing away, we're now seeing it freeze and we're seeing icy conditions. So what message do you have for residents? I know we heard again from the fire chief that reminder, don't go out on this if you don't have winter tires. What else can residents do? For sure, uh, winter tires, if you can, that, that does make a difference. Um, but yeah, certainly challenging this morning when it was so cold. Um, some of the streets that didn't get plowed or where there was some slush, it turned to ice. Um, so I, I would just say that, uh, you know, don't go out if you don't need to. Now that it stopped snowing and there's a bit of a break, I know there's more flurries in the forecast uh, later this evening, but um, our crews are trying to catch up and, and get uh, and get the, the roads brined so that they're, um, they're, they're better in better shape. But, um, yeah, I would just say stay home if you can, uh, you know, work from home, uh, avoid going out, uh, just, just till the crews get caught up. And you mentioned sidewalks. I would imagine it's the same rule there as it is in other jurisdictions that people are responsible for clearing the snow and the ice from their sidewalks. Are there penalties or are there what issues are there if that's not done? So that is the bylaw in our community that we do uh, require homeowners to clear the sidewalks adjacent to their property. That being said, it's a fairly new um, update to our bylaw in the District of North Vancouver. We hadn't required that previously. Um, so while we are um, requiring that, we're, we're not enforcing it heavily. We want to make sure that residents have the ability to clear their sidewalks. And if there's any situations where they're you know, physically unable to do so, they can reach out to the municipality and we will um, try to assist. Um, so it is, it is the rule, but we are, um, given that this is the first year we've had that requirement of homeowners, we're, we're not enforcing it. Um, you know, we just want to, at this point, make sure that homeowners are aware of it and do the best they can. All right, Jordan Back, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show today. Thanks very much, Jill. Happy holidays. Well, this story might uh, make you shake your head a little bit, but also, well, shout out to those involved, both the staff members and the police officers. Another day, another bike store robbery. This one, though, has a bit of a different ending. It happened earlier this month. A thief took off with a very expensive e-bike. This from a bike shop at Burrard and Pacific in Vancouver. However, thanks to some quick thinking by the staff members and some quick police work, there is a positive end, you could say, to this story. Joining me to talk more about this is Kamlesh Shohan, co-owner of Bicycle Sport Pacific. Kamlesh, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. You are one of the owners of Bicycle Sport Pacific, and people will know that store. Uh, one of the three locations is right in downtown Vancouver at Pacific and Burrard. I know you've been dealing, like many business owners, you've been dealing uh, with theft. Can you talk a little bit about this particularly brazen theft that took place a little earlier this month? Yes, um, we had a person come into the store. Uh, it was probably around about uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they brought in a bicycle for repair. 
Um, one of our staff attended to the person, tried to help them out. Uh, it's not something that we typically work on, but we decided to help them out anyways. And as uh, this person was uh, looking around the store, uh, just like a typical customer would, and uh, they turned on one of the electric bikes that we have um, and did nothing out of the ordinary. Um, they were well-dressed and nothing you know, brought any attention that this could be something that's going to turn out into something different. And uh, as uh, staff were attending to his bicycle, just trying to help him out, he turned the electric bike on, lifted the kickstand, and bolted for the door. Um, got, yeah, he took the bike, got onto the bike, and just rode out, um, went into the traffic um, on Burad Street, uh, almost got knocked over by a truck and trailer. Um, one of our staff gave chase, uh, you know, tried to recover the bike, but uh, you know, within arm's length and obviously being an electric bike, uh, it's pretty fast, and uh, he just made off. Um, so immediately we contacted VPD, let them know what's going on, um, downloaded footage, etc. And um, you know, in a few, in an hour's time or so, the VPD were there, took statements, uh, tried to get some fingerprints, and um, you know, and we thought, well, that's that's probably the beginning and the end of it. Um, and we hadn't heard back from the VPD after that because they're obviously doing their job. Um, we then um, basically let all our you know, fellow other stores um, know that this is what had happened in our store and to keep a lookout because the thief would likely be looking for a charger for this electric bike. And um, one of the stores had reported back that yes, they had a phone call from a certain person, uh, which the details were then forwarded uh, to VPD. And uh, I think VPD was able to track them down and uh, gave us a call by Friday saying, hey, we actually found your bike. Wow. Huh. So that's that's pretty quick thinking or, or a good idea to go after and, and figure out, well, this person, this bike would be useless unless this person had the specific charger and finding the thief that way. Yes. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we had to try whatever means was possible to try and, and recover. You know, I was pretty not hopeful that we were going to get anything back because we have had prior incidents. And you just kind of think, well, the police are doing their job and we'll just see how it goes. And you know, at the end of the day, you kind of think, well, if you get something back, well and good. And if you don't, don't worry about it. But for, for me, this is very comforting and just restored my faith back in the police system in the justice system, that it does work, you know, uh, you know, but we all have to play our part and put in our fair share of effort. And uh, in this case, you know, the staff at our store, everybody put in a considerable amount of time, effort and energy into this. And uh, we were able to basically be notified that our bike would be ready for us to collect and the police have recovered it. So that's really amazing. That is amazing because we talk, unfortunately, so often with business owners and businesses that have been subject to thieves and property damage. And oftentimes we don't talk about how they've recovered the the stolen goods. So that, that's just amazing. Um, but can you talk a little bit more? You, you described the person who came in. Is that kind of a new uh, a new MO, I suppose? Like you said, you've dealt with theft at your stores before, but it seems like this person came in and, and was almost playing a part and knew that if they could distract you with a, a bike that they presumably were coming in to get fixed, they would they would have that that opportunity. Yes, and, and this is exactly what had happened. You know, typically when, when somebody does a or wants to do some shoplifting, they, they don't come in with anything 
with a large bag or something like that to put stuff in or a handbag or something. But uh, in this case, uh, there's no doubt in our minds that the person who came in actually brought this, this uh, his bike in um, as a decoy and just keep people distracted. And uh, out of the goodwill and helpfulness from our staff, um, you know, they did what they were trained to do and they helped the customer. But uh, nobody ever suspected that this is what, how it would turn out. Hmm. Do you think or do you know, I would imagine then if, if the person then left the bike that he brought in when he stole your e-bike, a much more expensive bike, uh, was the bike, do you know if the bike that he brought in as the decoy, if that was also stolen? Well, that's what um, the VPD suspects, that it, it's likely stolen. And, and when we looked at it, you know, it's a, it was value-wise, it was a $300 uh, bike that he brought in. The bike that he took from us was just over $5,000. Hmm. Wow, that's I just I, and again, I guess I mean on the one hand we shouldn't be surprised, I guess, because we talk about this uh, again, unfortunately, so much. But it just seems so brazen that, that what lengths somebody will go to. Uh, you mentioned as well that your staff chased after this person, and this is a busy part of the city, isn't it? A busy street that that he was able to to take the pike and kind of make a getaway. Oh yeah, uh, you know, as you know, the, the the corner of Pacific and Burad, a lot of traffic in all directions. And um, this person literally went, um, I'd say, eastwards, uh, sorry, westwards on Pacific Boulevard. And uh, there was traffic already on Burad Street going in both directions. And he just kept on going. Um, one of our staff had actually chased after this person. And uh, he had to stop because there's obviously traffic and cars moving. So he stopped. But uh, the the thief just carried on going. And... Uh, Later on, when we looked at the footage from from the building, you know, it was quite clear that it was within, I'd say, seconds that if he didn't go faster or or if he was a little slower, he would have been struck down by a truck and trailer. Hmm. Wow. But but you know the, the person didn't care, and uh, you know, and we talk about brazen. Well, when he came into our store, he looked around. I mean, he actually looked at the camera systems, the security, and everything else, and wasn't bothered just wasn't bothered in any way whatsoever that he could be identified. Wow. And when you mentioned then, so police then were able to take that information and, and your bike has been recovered. Do you know if it's in, if it's in good shape? We don't know. We'll, we'll find that out uh, in the course of this week once uh, we actually take possession of the bikes. I suspect by probably about, by about Wednesday, we should know. Uh, we're hoping that it is. Um, but we'll see. You know, it, the, just the the whole idea of actually just having the bike back is is something totally just astonishing for us because um, we've never had a, a recovery before. Um, and as you say, you know, over the last 12, 24 months, there's been a lot of uh, you know, brazen activities by by people who just couldn't be bothered, mm. from petty crime, you know, glass breaking, all sorts of stuff. And you know, police are responding, but. Um, when, when the system kind of fails a person and uh, you see the same perpetrators back on the street again, it becomes difficult. And did they say anything as far as was somebody arrested or, or taken into custody when they were able to recover the bike? Oh, yes. Yeah. So they, they've actually uh, taken the person, the actual person who, because now they've got the footage, right? right. So uh, they were able to identify and they have taken the person into custody. This is as of last Friday. 
Hmm. Well, it's uh, it's refreshing, I suppose, to say the least, to talk to you and to talk to a business owner where there was a recovery and at least there was some conclusion to this and, and the good news that you're going to be able to get this expensive bike back. You mentioned, though, that this is happening more and more. Have, has that store or your stores, have they been targeted more by thieves recently? I'd say yes. You know, in the last 24 months, we, we've certainly seen an uptake in uh, in the amount of crime um, whether initially it was just petty crime, people taking small stuff, um, and uh, it's now progressed to to large bikes. You know, um, we were quite surprised when we when one of our locations, uh, somebody took two sets of locks, extremely heavy chain locks, um, and uh, made off with that. You know, and and for us that was wow, that's pretty brazen. You know, you're seeing so many staff in store, etc. But uh, the fact that the the articles that people are now stealing or taking, the shoplifting, uh, are now larger, and just the way that this was actually done, uh, no doubt that um, the perpetrators just um, have no sense of, of any fear whatsoever. No. Well, again, uh, Kamlesh, thank you so much for sharing this story, and it is uh, nice to see some conclusion. Hopefully, this person uh, it will be this person will be stopped, uh, even if it's uh, for uh, a period of time. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing this with us and, and talking about this today. Thank you very much, Jill. Every time there is snow, there are problems on the roads. And yesterday and today, uh, no exception to that, as you just heard on that traffic report, spun out vehicles in several parts of Metro Vancouver and more snow is on the way. So we thought it would be a good idea to check back in with Carl Nadeau, former race car driver, also a Michelin driving expert. And Carl has agreed to join us. He's also going to take your calls, your questions. So, uh, Carl, thank you so much for being with us again. Absolute pleasure to be with you and uh, the, everybody that's listening. Well, it's uh, timely given the weather and what we're dealing with. So I should tell people if they want to call in with questions for you, they absolutely can do that for the next little while. That number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898. But Carl, let's start with kind of going over some of the basics if we can, because again, we saw abandoned vehicles yesterday. We saw spun out vehicles that couldn't get to where they're going. Uh, I know we talked about tires before when you were on the program. What are the number one mistakes? though people make when trying to navigate these types of conditions on the roads? Well, people don't adapt to what they're driving. So if, if some people decided to stick with all-season tire instead of going winter tires on their car in, in bad condition, like extremely cold weather or snow that you're ha- like you're having, I think you're getting like 25 centimeters uh, more snow in some parts around Vancouver, so if you decide to drive your car anyway, you have to adapt your speed. And unfortunately, uh, people drive by habit. So if they're used to drive at 100 kilometers an hour in some part of the road, they're going to stick to that speed, even if they know their car cannot navigate safely uh, through the condition. So I would strongly suggest to slow down. And talking about slowing down, if you look far in front of your car, which you should do, always look where you want to go and far ahead, and you see something's wrong with the, the, the con- either the condition on the, of the road or you see cars ahead like uh, slowing down abruptly or hitting the brake or starting sliding, a lot of people will keep driving at the same speed and try 
to know what's happening. So they're looking at it. Ah, it looks slippery. I don't know. Looks dangerous. I think this car is going to be losing control soon. And they're still traveling at 100 kilometers an hour instead of slowing down before knowing exactly what's happening. So don't be afraid to slow down. Use the right lane. Stay relaxed. It's going to help quite a bit. And when we have conditions like this, too, I think in Metro Vancouver especially, we're used to getting snow, but then that snow turning to rain, that things generally warm up and then it's slush and then it's gone. But what's different now is we're seeing really cold temperatures and we're seeing a lot of the side streets are sheets of ice. So how can people navigate that if you do have to drive on that? Scary conditions, that's for sure. And another thing that makes it worse, like especially on the highway when you have like two, three lanes, there's there's kind of a, a snow accumulation between the lanes. So if you try to change direction, a lot of people will, will, will change direction with their car as they would in normal condition. But when you hit the packed snow between the lanes, it can send your car into a, a slide or a spin uh, and be out of control. So be really, really careful if you have to change lane. So, for example, if you're driving on the right lane and you want to pass someone, make sure that your car has the grip and you're smooth enough to change lane uh, while hitting those those little uh, snowpack uh, section. And the ice under the surface is probably the worst condition when you have ice over the asphalt, then snow on top of it. It's unpredictable. It's extremely dangerous. So if you have to slow down, always slow down in straight lane. So instead of trying to hit the brake and turn the wheel to avoid something, might as well slow down in straight lane. And when you slow down enough, then it's time to steer the car and change direction. Don't try to do both at the same time because you might send the car into a spin. Mm. And and is that the best way that if you're already at that point where you're going into uh, you're 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 sliding, how do you get out of that? <laughs> uh, first thing, you have to look where you want to go. And unfortunately, human brain, the way we work, we try to look at the uh, post or a parked car or anything that that's dangerous. Try to look for a safe exit. So look far ahead in front of you. And usually there's always a hole. Even if there's a car spinning out of control in front of you, you can always look and find a way out. But of course, if you slow down before getting into the incident, that that gives you more option to avoid the actual incident. So as soon as you have a bad feeling, slow down. Make sure you don't like hit the brakes so hard that people behind you hit you. But at least you can you can start slowing down early and then open your option and avoid the situation. I, I was even amazed this morning because, again, so many of the side streets are sheets of ice. They're just frozen solid. And seeing people going in a way, I saw a couple of people blast right through stop signs. I saw somebody honk as they went through a red light. I, I, I assumed that that was because they couldn't stop on the ice. But And people going really fast. Is it that people think that because you have winter tires or maybe because you have four-wheel drive that you're kind of invincible? Yeah, and usually it comes with uh, an igloo over the car. So (laughs) when you see somebody run two stop signs in a row, like there's something they don't understand the first time they try to slow down and they pass through the stop sign. So slow down, like talk, like be, be, 
be aware that it's really dangerous. Uh, but of course, if, if you're driving with an all-wheel drive car, uh, what happens is that you build confidence as you accelerate since an all-wheel drive, even if you have like tires that are not exactly appropriate, it's still going to accelerate pretty good. The problem is it's not going to slow down and it's not going to make the corners as, as your car should. So, uh, of course, uh, it kind of builds the ego as you accelerate until you have to hit the brake and it's too late because your car, of course, the, the added weight combined with the lack of grip uh, it's going to make you uh, basically slide longer. My guest is Carl Nato, former race car driver, also a Michelin driving expert. He has joined us to talk about driving in the snow, driving for the conditions and what you need to know if you need to be out on the streets and uh, what uh, you can do to make yourself as safe as possible. We also have opened up the phone lines if you have a question or you want to share what you have seen on the roads, star 9898 and 604-280-9898. Let's start with one of the callers on the line and mike in parksville good afternoon oh hi jill yeah i just want to remind people to clean the snow off their cars i'm just waiting for my wife in a parking lot and every third car is covered in snow all of it you know (laughs) that is a great reminder mike thank you for that i noticed that yesterday morning too there were people i saw numerous cars where they had just cleared off the windshield but the rest of the car was covered carl i'm guessing you you would be of the same advice there take the five minutes or however long to take the ice and the snow off the car oh yeah i i call them the driving igloos (laughs) and if if you don't do it for the other cars around you because of course when you're driving with ton of snow on your car at some at some point it's going to fly away if there's a bit of ice on on top of your car it might break the windshield of the car behind you but if you don't care about others think about the fact that if you have to hit the brake to avoid any situation the snow on top of your car is going to slide straight to the windshield and block the windshield wi- the, the the wipers so at the end of the day, it's dangerous for everybody. So please, yeah, remove all snow on the top of your car. Scribe the, scrape the ice uh, uh, before you leave. Make sure you, you, you give enough time to the heating system to, uh, to remove all traces of, uh, uh, of, uh, of snow and ice. Then you can drive. Yes, it might take five minutes more, but you're going to get to destination. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, like you, you mentioned there, I've seen both the somebody stops or however, and the sheets of ice or snow comes onto their windshield. Or you've seen it in going down some of the major streets when you get up going to a certain speed and actual chunks of ice flying off the roof of the car and hitting the people behind. And it's dangerous. Yeah, and, and we're not even talking about people who walk on the sidewalk. Like if you make the corner and all that snow just flies off the car, uh, it, it, it can be dangerous for a lot of people around. But again, if you don't care about others, do it for you. Yeah, if for no other reason. Uh, let's uh, see who else is on the line. We have James in White Rock. James, uh, go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm actually calling you guys from Calgary. Now, hmm. my question for your for your guest is, do you think that people put too much reliance on technology versus common sense when it comes to all-wheel drive and traction control? Because I know from experience growing up in Alberta, sometimes traction control can get you into more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Uh, unfortunately, like it starts when people learn how to drive, 
And, and of the younger generation, unfortunately, they learn to drive with all the technology. So they have blindside uh, monitor on cars, so they don't look in the mirror anymore, thinking that, hey, if the light's not on, I can switch lane without looking. And it, it's a lot of very simple things that, that makes the road unsafe. So we should always learn all the basic, like adjust the mirror right. Uh, look at the blind spot before you, you switch lane and, and don't rely that much on technology. And I have a lot of people who say, I don't care if I drive too fast because if I do a mistake, the car is going to correct me. Uh, that is until physics take over mm-hmm. and you crash the car. So physics will always, always win. It's about the grip of those four very little patch of the tire that touch the ground, the weight of the car, the speed that you're going, and the conditions of the road. So, yeah, don't think that all those driver aid system will help you all the time. It's, it's just impossible. So, yeah, great, great question and comment. Is there an advantage, though, and I know we talked about uh, specifically people with four-wheel drive maybe being a little too confident thinking that four-wheel drive is going to save them, but is there an advantage if you have four-wheel drive or if you have a car, a newer car with the technology, uh, the the grip or the button that you press for specifically for slippery conditions? Well, for for most drivers with all-wheel drive, I see tons of advantages at very low speed. Like if you need to exit uh, and there's a snowbank, you can, yeah, you can pull through. Uh, So it's really helping. But by the time your car is driving at a steady speed, most drivers, if they lose control, uh, won't make a difference between a front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, or a rear-wheel drive. Unfortunately, they're, they're, they don't have enough knowledge to react and use the benefit of the all-wheel drive in, in case of a slide. So I, I would say be more careful because like, uh, sometimes being confident uh, leads to uh, quite a bit of problems. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go back to the phone lines. We have Marie in North Delta. Marie, go ahead. My pet peeve is I wish that there'd be more instruction on the appropriate and courteous way to use a roundabout. I'm so sick of tired of people just barging right through without any regard for other people who are entitled or um, eligible to go into the roundabout. All right, Marie, you actually, you make a really good point and thank you for bringing that up. And and Carl, I don't know if that's something you've noticed as well. I know we don't have a ton of roundabouts in Metro Vancouver, but I've noticed that, that there is always, it seems like there is some confusion. You throw snow into that equation and it gets even worse. Oh yeah, I can tell you there's a roundabout like two minutes from my home and I have to take it to get to the highway. And every single day I use word that I cannot use on the radio. <laughs> it's really, really scary. And people have a total misunderstanding of uh, how roundabout works. So just to make it extremely simple, the cars that are already in the roundabout have priority. So you, you just can just... You, you can't get in the roundabout thinking that everybody's going to hit the brake. Like you're on the outside, make sure there's enough space and then you go in, please. All right. And that- it's even more scary because some roundabouts have two lanes. My, mine right beside my house has two lanes. So there's lanes that you can actually avoid the, the, the middle lane so you can go around it. 
it's even more scary <laughs> because people just fly through it at high speed. So, yeah. I, I, I know the pain. Yeah, there, there's one here out on 16th near UBC, and I'm shocked that there aren't more crashes at that roundabout. Let's take one more caller. Dave from West Vancouver. Dave, go ahead. Hi, I'm hoping you can speak to the fact that cars actually steer and roll better when your foot isn't jammed on the brake in a gently sloping hill. So many of those accidents on the 29th of November were occurring because people jammed their brakes on, had no steering control, and just coasted down the mountain until they banged into something else. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, you're, you're, my guess is some of those cars didn't have ABS brakes on. Were, were they older cars? It could be. I saw some of the footage of what he's talking about, and it was. Oh. It was like dominoes, just cars bashing into yeah. each other. It's, it's, it's a scary situation. Usually, if you look under the cars, it's summer tires and some all season, but usually it never happens with winter tires. But yeah, if you, if you lose control, especially if your car doesn't have ABS and you just hit the brake hard so the four wheels are locked, at that moment when the wheels are locked, the tires basically don't roll, you have absolutely no grip whatsoever. So it's not going to slow down, it's not going to turn, it's not going to do anything right. So the, the best case scenario, if you go down a hill and it starts really, really sliding, uh, you, you want to you hit the brake but be very, very gentle so the wheels never lock completely. You want to slow down the tire, but you don't want to lock the tire because at the second you do, you're going to feel like your car is accelerating down the, the hill. And the fact is, it's going to accelerate because weight of the car, mm. the, the, the hill that's going down, and the fact that your, your tires are locked, you're going to go straight down and do the bowling ball. <laughs> All right. Like you said, physics is going to take over. Carl, we're right out of time. Thank you so much for joining us again. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. Well, as we brace for more snow in Metro Vancouver, we wanted to check in and see how things are going at Vancouver International Airport. Joining us now to talk about what they've been dealing with and what travelers need to know when it comes to your holiday travel is Andy Margulis, VP of Airport Capacity and Systems Design at YVR. Andy, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Jill. Pleasure to be here. Well, putting a, the weather that we're having now as well as, I would imagine today, or it's got to be one day this week, isn't it, that will be the busiest day at YVR? Uh, yes, uh, today is actually one of our busiest days, and the other busiest day of the winter season will be the 22nd. All right. So a lot of people already making it a very, very busy place. How are things going there as far as dealing with snow and ice? Things are going very well at YVR today. We've uh, got runways clear, taxiways, aprons all clear. Uh, and we're ready to uh, welcome the passengers as they arrive. Is it the kind of thing with snow and ice that you have to deal with it, obviously, when it starts falling and de-icing the planes and, and that, but, but once you've kind of got a handle on it, it's, it's uh, obviously staying ahead of it, but it's kind of managing it? Yeah, it's all down to your planning and your readiness, really. And we start planning for snow in August. So we have a long lead in to snow operations. Um, And, you know, Canada is one of the joys of operating airports in Canada that we get snow every year. Uh, It's a big network uh, um, experience. Uh, Every airport at the same time has different impacts on other airports. But at YVR, we plan well. We've got a great team. We've got good partnership with all of our stakeholders, our customers and our partners. 
Uh, and it's a pretty well-oiled machine when it comes to snow operations. Are there issues with employees getting to the airport? I, I know I was thinking back to when there was flooding in the Fraser Valley and concerns about people, not travellers, but actual workers, be it ground crews or gate crews and employees of YVR having difficulty getting there. Is, is that an issue when there's snow and the roads are, are messy as well? Yeah, it absolutely can be. Uh, today it isn't. Um, we've uh, uh, done a a report all around the uh, YVR community for operations today, and we're in a good place, uh, good staffing across the board, uh, and we've even got extra staff on the ground and outside on the air side uh, to make sure that everything is ready to go. What can passengers do then as far as obviously checking ahead and seeing what's happening, but what can passengers do to try and make it as smooth as possible? Uh, yeah, there's lots they can do. My recommendations really are just leave a little bit more time, um, take it slow in the snow, as we're saying, um, but make sure you get to the airport with enough time. Um, we are encouraging everyone to check websites uh, for their airlines to make sure uh, that there aren't any cancellations or delays and just factor that into their journey as they travel to the airport. With more snow in the forecast, with now, uh, I think in Metro Vancouver, what was the number of Environment Canada saying, uh, there could be snow accumulations of 10 to 15 centimetres. That's expected to start later today. Uh, even with everything in place at the airport, dealing with that much snow, will that, do you think, cause more delays? Uh, it's always a possibility when uh, snow hits Canada and the aviation network, but um, we are ready. We've got, we know the snow is going to start falling around 8 o'clock this evening uh, and be present most of the evening, but uh, it's going to ease off tomorrow around 10 a.m. And we factor that into our plans um, and our staffing plans. And as I said, we're ready and waiting for passengers to welcome them uh, and uh, help them on their way. All right. What about people that are using the parking lots? So whether it's the, the long term, the value parking or the park and fly, are there issues there with snow plows or accessing those lots and then being able to take those shuttles to get to the airport? Uh, no, all conditions looking relatively good around the YVR road network at the moment, as I say, are are. Snow plans don't just focus on the airside environment. They also focus on the roads, the parkades, uh, and everything that passengers need to get safely into the terminal. All right. And what can you say then to passengers, people who maybe are nervous about it? And when you hear about snow on the taxiways or the runways, de-icing the aircraft, uh, how do you kind of put those concerns to rest? Uh, it's all part of our safety mandate. So we're well rehearsed at it. It's nothing we're doing this season is something that is new or we haven't done before. It's part of a well-planned operation for us, the airlines and all the partners at the airport. So please come, uh, take some time, get here early uh, and don't worry about those things. Just get here and enjoy the experience of the airport and uh, we'll help you get on your way. All right. There is something nice about even if you have to spend a couple of hours at the airport, the, doing that to, to trade that with being stressed out, to being rushed. Uh, there's really no comparison when you can, uh, even if you don't like waiting around, it's still nicer than not knowing if you're going to make your flight or not. Um, Andy, does it make any difference that we're seeing kind of this prolonged below zero temperature in that? And we've been talking about this all afternoon and that people will generally, I think, have memories of snowfall where it snows and then it turns to rain rain slush and it warms up and things are green again. Does it have any impact on your operations that we're seeing these sub-zero temperatures stick around? Uh, for us, it just means that we have to deal with the conditions a little bit longer. The sub-zero conditions mean the snow stays for longer, even after it stops snowing. Um, but that's something that we're used to. Um, and uh, all of our teams out there are well ready for that. 
And you mentioned that uh, tomorrow, the 22nd, are both going to be very, very busy days. Are we seeing things going back to kind of pre-COVID numbers? Yeah, very nearly. It uh, depends on the sector, uh, but domestic uh, travel has been uh, back to over 2019 volumes for quite some time now. Um, so this, yeah, we are back to normal operations, looking forward rather than looking back. All right. So a good idea. And I think this is advice anytime somebody is traveling, but check the website, check social media, check with their airlines, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Our website, the airline's website and our social media all has the most up to date messaging for uh, the passengers that need to use the airport. All right. Good advice as we brace for even more snow in Metro Vancouver. Andy Margulis, thank you so much for joining us and for talking more about this. My pleasure. Thanks, Jill.